Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm Elise. Welcome back to Poodle People, where we talk about all things poodles. Just a friendly reminder that we're not licensed veterinarians, professionals, or handlers. We're just poodle people. Hey, Elise. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Great. How about you? Oh, just peachy keen. Good. So tonight we are talking about um, kind of some, you know, basic dog owner skills that um, sometimes you just need a refresher on. And I got the refresher because uh, the dog food that I use and that I just recommended to all of my new puppy owners has been recalled. So, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's been a little bit of a challenging week and most of my dogs do very well on any food, but Alfred does not. So it has been challenging and it's challenging for everyone else too. Um, So we just wanted to talk about some of the things that we do and things that we keep around the house. Yes. Um, These are kind of our personal emergency preparedness. Well, not necessarily emergency, but just kind of like quick troubleshooting things that we try to do um, when we have like issues like what Karen's talking about with like maybe upset tummy and you're like, oh, he's kind of off his feet a little bit. Let's see if, you know. Um, this, that, or the other works. And then, of course, call your vet. Um, but yes, if you ever doubt anything, the first thing you should probably do is call your vet. Um, but these are some things that we do. Um, yeah. Always call vet. Yes. As we are not licensed professionals, uh, as stated previously in our little disclaimer, <laughs> just so everyone knows. But these are some things that we like to do. Um, Karen, I know, like, with the food thing, you're probably going through it especially with the little sensitive poodle tummies that are out there. I, I've been through this myself with, with changing foods and, and just yeah. sensitivity things. I mean, it's just like a horse. You really want to be able to change their food gradually. And when you have a recall and can't, it can just be challenging. Um, and one of the recommendations that I know I made to you and I've made to other people is to have um quick cooking white rice yes um, canned chicken which is your best friend it is easier than having chicken in your freezer um you can open it anywhere so if you had to go somewhere or need to take it with you or you lose power or whatever it is you just open the can and you have something your dog will eat um and i also always keep some um broth chicken broth that's unsalted um in my cabinet just in case i need someone to eat something and they're not digging it yeah just to kind of spice it up a little bit just to make sure they're still getting their other nutrients in yeah you know and just a little bit of warm broth can make all the difference yes it really can Um, yeah and the easiest place to get unsalted if you need it in a hurry is Walmart. Oh, good to know. Yeah. I, I have been to many of the stores um, and Walmart has an unsalted stock. That's good to know. Um, yes. I think like along the same line, something that I always do um, when Winnie has a bit of an upset tummy is, And this is actually something my mother used to do with me. I had a lot of uh, lactose type problems as a baby taking the bottle. Um, So when she got kind of like an ucky tummy for the first time, my mom told me to do uh, rice milk, which is essentially like a rice water. So when you're boiling your rice and you're you're fast cooking rice, I always put extra water in the pot so that... um, Mm -hmm it absorbs some of that like you get a little extra like starchy water and I kind of just keep it in a jar um for you know it keeps for a few days and you know I'll put it on like your food or like in like the rice and chicken type of concoction and I think that's a nice alternative to 
Um, especially if you've got a dog that it might be sensitive to the like chicken or something like that, rice water is a good alternative because it also kind of coats their stomach and um, just kind of helps. But that's what my mom said to do, so that's what I've been doing anytime. Yeah. Um, you know that that actually reminds me of a recipe that I made for um, for Emma and the puppies when she was whelping. I ended up not needing it because everyone was healthy, but I made it just in case. And I cooked liver and rice in broth. And then I pulled the liver out and just kept the liver water with the rice. Appetizing. In case I needed to try and revive someone. Yeah. Very appetizing. I'm glad you didn't have to use it um, for everyone's sake. Yes. Um, but yeah. So tonight we are going, our guest is going to be Brittany McGill. She is a licensed vet tech. So without further ado, let's get into it. So tonight's guest is a very, actually a very good friend of mine, Brittany McGill. Um, Brittany is a licensed veterinary technician. And tonight we're going to talk to her a little bit about uh, emergency situations and different aspects on what to do, what to have, what would constitute as an emergency, all of those fun things. So Brittany, would you like to formally introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Brittany and thank you for having me on your guys' podcast. I'm super excited. Um, As Elise said, I'm a licensed veterinary technician based out of Mare, Arizona. Um, And I started my own business back in May as a uh, concierge vet tech. So I actually go into people's homes and do tech appointments in your home, more comfortable for you, more comfortable for your pet, that kind of thing. Um, And then I also will freelance with um, local vets in the area who do house calls and can also do um, things like pulling bloods and giving medications and injectables and that kind of stuff. Um, for vets if I'm basically given a, a prescription to do so. Okay, that's actually, that's a really cool business. I'm sure out here too with the large retirement community, I'm, I bet you're pretty popular with those guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just got in with Touchmark up here in Prescott um, and have been gaining a lot of ground there. So <laughs> you sure have, I'll you have can go my... door to door there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll have a days in my calendar where I'll just block it out for touch mark and spend the whole day there that's cool is this something that you thought of and saw as an opportunity or do other people do this and I just don't know about it I haven't seen anybody else doing it um the vet that I take my dog in for um routine veterinary care kind of stuff she has a friend who used to do it down in the valley but um, has since kind of retired that and more moved into pet sitting. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen anybody up here um, doing what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so so can you just kind of um, tell us a little bit about what kind of things constitute an emergency and what the average pet owner should be looking at as markers to indicate that something might be wrong when it's not obvious, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So aside from, you know, the obvious major um, uh, personality changes and that kind of stuff, things that you want to be looking for in your dog is maybe being off of their food for more than a day or two or, Um, a decreased water intake, you know, you want to make sure that you're watching the output as well as their input. So is their stool a normal consistency, no weird colors, no um, increased frequency in either urination or defecation. Um, Another one that you want to be paying attention to that can lead to a host of different issues is their breathing. Um, So excessive panting can actually be a sign that your animal's in pain. Um, So you want to pay attention to that. If there's excessive panting, if the the quantity or quality of their breaths change. So instead of having that nice deep breath in and a a slow breath out, that's kind of rhythmic. If it's um, 
stilted or there's a strange noise coming with it, then that would really constitute an emergent situation. Those are really great tips. Um, I think um, a lot of people don't always pay that much attention to some of those things. Yeah. And, uh, it's really a good idea to just really know what your dog's baseline yeah. is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. As, especially with poo. Um, yes. You know, we are all horse people. So we right. are, you know, with horses, you <laughs> always look at poop. Exactly. Immediately, <laughs> and you check whether or not they're eating. So yes. you are very familiar with what their manure looks like. And I right. think with dogs, we sometimes don't stress that enough that you've got to know what is normal for your dog so that yes. you know something's abnormal. Right. Yeah. I think the other thing with dogs and poo is, I mean, growing up, we didn't walk our dogs to take them out. We just turned them out mm-hmm. in the backyard and we're like, all right, go yes. do your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So I think that's where a lot of that gets missed. And I'm not saying like you have Absolutely, to like, stalk yeah. them every day to make sure like, <laughs> you know, they're consistent. I know Carl is like, I pick up Winnie's poo every day because we live in a condo and like you, you have to. And I always take note because that's the kind of person I am. And I tell him about it. And he's like, I don't think we need to talk about it. <laughs> the type of poos our dog is having every day I'm like no it's important like what if it changes yeah. like what like we have to know what day it changed like yeah. did it change in the morning did it change in the afternoon those kinds of things are good to know just right you know store that <laughs> in my brain lives there rent free <laughs> exactly and I remember when Winnie was still little and oh my gosh. I had days off during the week <laughs> and I would go and walk her for you I kind of sent you poo updates for you her. did I know honestly you were the best dog walker I had it was great <laughs> I never had to worry. (laughs) So, Brittany, I just found out that you had Winnie to take care of during the week, and I got her on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So I didn't didn't really realize that you were the person who was taking care of her, and that's a really nice connection for us. Yeah, absolutely. She was fun to walk. (laughs) She's a character for sure. Yes. A whole army of people looking out for this dog for me. Went to the office a couple was days little. a week. She was little and she couldn't <laughs> quite hold it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she's so cute. Like, how could you guys not love spending time with her? She's perfect. Exactly. Obviously. obviously. Um, yeah. Anyways, back to business. <laughs> so, um, back to the topic at hand. Yes. I actually have, I have four adult dogs right now and a puppy. So it's actually quite hard for me to watch them, especially in the morning when it's dark out. Yeah. Because I'm really just watching the little girl to make sure that she stays safe. So I don't always catch things. Right. Um, So, you know, it really can be challenging, but I have a pretty good feel for what my dogs are doing. Right. Uh, So. I think most people who have a yard to periodically go out to clean it up. So um, in that instance, I mean, I would assume it'd be every couple of days or so. Um, So in that instance, you'd be able to kind of take note if anything's different. Yep. Um, Maybe. I I mean, my parents just mowed over it. So (laughs) I don't think they ever knew what it was. That might they be just, a little bit harder, yeah. Yeah, they just fertilize the yard with... Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So, so what other tips do you have? Um, some other things that people can pay attention to that they might not um, normally kind of be looking at is their nose. So dogs, their nose, you know, is is should be wet pretty much all the time along with the um, mucous membranes just right on the inside of their lip there that should be a nice um, it should have a nice glean to it it should be nice and wet all the time so if that's kind of dry or tacky looking um, if it's not that nice pink color it's more of like a red or a white um, paler color then that's something that's concerning Um, Another thing is ears. Um, Pet parents can look in their dogs and their cats ears um, and any malodorous kind of scent coming out of there can be indicative of an underlying issue. 
Um, you can also see there might be a buildup of earwax and gunky stuff, particularly in dogs that have floppy ears. So those are just a couple of other things that pet parents might not already be kind of scoping out, but are easy enough to look at. Yeah. And since the podcast is called Poodle People, I would just remind all of our poodle owners that they probably should be lifting those ears every week and checking on them. Yes. And cleaning them. Clean your dog's ears, especially poodles. There's a lot of hair in there. Yeah, I was just about to say there's a lot of (laughs) hair and wax and all kinds of stuff can get stuck in there and burrs too. You don't want burrs going in there. Um, Yeah. Yep. That's another thing is excessive head shaking is an indicator that there might be something going on in in their ears. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the head shaking, but you're right. That's true, too. Yep. Um, So, oh, go ahead, Karen. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so you don't see emergencies, right, Brittany? Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, So there are four things that veterinary technicians cannot do that only doctors can do. Um, And that is prognosing. So that's basically looking at an animal and predicting that it's fine for a specific treatment. Um, Diagnosing. So actually saying this animal is sick with this disease process. Uh, We can't prescribe any medications and we can't perform surgery. Um, So, yeah, going with um, if I were to do emergencies, I would have to have a veterinarian at least on the phone with me um, to kind of walk me through any kind of treatment or triage process. Um, But yeah, just doing that on my own would be going against those, those governing statutes. Gotcha. So what, um, so like a regular vet versus an emergency room Mm -hmm. vet, like which, which should you call and when? Yeah, so anything that is abnormal, you definitely want to just try and call your vet on the off chance that they might be able to get you in since they'll have your whole pet's history um, and your pet is familiar with their office and that kind of stuff. Um, Things like head shaking, um, probably not going to be a super emergent situation. There's probably, there might be just some stuff down in there. that can be taken care of easily. Um, but big things like, you know, if your horse get or your, sorry, your dog used <laughs> <laughs> to horses. Um, if your dog gets hit by a car or you drop a pot on their head or they get run over by a horse or something like that, that would be something that you would definitely just want to bypass your regular vet on and go straight to an emergency vet. Um, that's open 24-7, hopefully. Um, there are some that have regular business hours, but I think most are open 24-7. Um, so those kinds of things, if your dog has been off feed for a day or two, maybe try calling, giving your vet a call. They might try to give you some advice over the phone, um, ask you some questions about what's been going on and, and they might say, okay, that sounds a little bit serious. We can get you in tomorrow or, oh, you, you might need to go to the emergency vet, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I also would, would just point out something that's really obvious, but is such a great tool. And I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have it, mm-hmm. but you can take a video of your dog So if you think your dog is a little bit funny tonight, but you're not sure if your dog is panting and maybe it's not, you just can't quite decide, you can always take a little bit of video of whatever is going on and either send it to your vet or look at it the next day or in a couple of hours and just compare so that you're not relying on your memory. Yeah. And I think that that is so powerful. I mean, I take videos and send them to my vet all the time yeah you know he's a saint Um, (laughs) but it's so helpful that I can just send him things and say you know do I need to come in tomorrow or just watch it myself right absolutely yeah that's great advice um and also if your dog is kind of intermittently doing something 
that is concerning. Um, a yes. really common one that isn't a problem is the reverse sneeze. But the first time anybody sees that, they, oh, my God, my dog is going to die. Um, <laughs> so in that instance or something like that, um, taking a video of that so that you, right, so that you can take it in yeah. and show the vet in case the animal doesn't um, experience any of those signs or symptoms while they're actually in the office. I think the first time I had kennel cough, I had no idea I had kennel cough. So I took my mm-hmm. dog to the vet <laughs> and now like, yeah. stay home. Right. <laughs> 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 right. Yeah, we don't want that here. <laughs> here's here's some right. That's yeah. That's a rampant one too. Like it. Yes. You think about kennel cough and it plagues your whole house. It is. Yeah. That's a nasty one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in the event that maybe you are either in route to the vet or like an emergency vet, or you're like you're seeing an emergency happening, mm-hmm. do you have anything you recommend keeping in like a little emergency kit at home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I have kind of a a list for two different um, scenarios. Um, The first is if something happens um, and you need to get your dog into the vet. Um, So like if if your dog ingests something that they shouldn't go through the trash or get into chemicals or whatever, um, there you can actually give dogs peroxide. under direction of your veterinarian, um, they will give you the correct dosage for your animal. Um, but peroxide will be a pretty quick acting emetic. So that, that will make them actually vomit up whatever they have ingested that they shouldn't have. So that would be for things that aren't caustic materials. So that would be like your chocolate, your onions, your human food things that dogs should not be eating. Um, activated charcoal would be for um, if they ingest any caustic materials. So your cleaning materials, bleach, um, <laughs> Windex, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. And what activated charcoal does is actually stops the absorption of those materials. And it oh, okay. also coats the throat and the intestinal lining and everything Um, But obviously you want to just use those under the direction of your vet. So you would call your vet, say, hey, my dog ate 15 pounds of chocolate. What do I do? Um, If you say I have peroxide on hand, then they can give you the dosage to give your dog and then still take the dog into the vet. Um, And same goes for that activated charcoal. Um, Other good things to have on hand, Benadryl. Um, some dogs, puppies really like to chase bees and chomp down on them. (laughs) Um, so Benadryl can help with that swelling, um, and then still take them in in case they have some other kind of adverse reaction. Um, in addition to just the normal swelling that happens, um, cetirizine, that's the general form of Zyrtec, um, is a good one for just general allergies, Um, so if, you know, runny nose starts or whatever, um, not, nothing else too concerning going on, um, then a, a cetirizine or a Zyrtec can help out with that. But with all of this, talk to your vet about it first. Don't just start giving your dog any kind of medications because Brittany said so on the podcast. Um, Yes, hear that everybody. Call your vet first. We know it's tempting. Just call them. They'll be nice. We promise. Yes. Um, And then things for like cuts or if your dog rips off a toenail or something like that, um, have some antibiotic ointment, gauze squares or rolled gauze, vet wrap, um, the same stuff that you would find in a normal human first aid um, kit you can throw into your doggy one um, so you can kind of protect that wound um, until you can get your dog into the vet and that's not something that you should do in lieu of taking your dog to the vet because they'll need antibiotics if they have a cut um, just to take prophylactically to prevent anything from happening um, but just to keep it nice and covered and 
clean and have that antibiotic ointment already on there to help prevent anything from getting in kind of more of as a physical barrier than anything else. Okay. And then the other list that I would have would be for a natural disaster. Um, So here in Arizona, we get wildfires or um, the flash flooding, not too much earthquakes or um, tornadoes or anything like that. But we're pretty tame right? (laughs) as far as natural disasters go here. But in places like Kentucky, where Karen is, where they, they see like tornadoes and other yeah kind of scary weather exactly yeah um so for the more scary places i would recommend kind of having a go bag made up for your animals um so collapsible food and water bowls um pre-prepared food baggies or if they're on canned food a couple of extra cans of their food um nice good sturdy leashes collars um uh, what are those harnesses, um, bottled water, because you might not have access to fresh water, um, a blanket or bedding that either you have cuddled with or they have cuddled with or both so that they have that familiar scent if you need to evacuate the area. Um, one or two of their toys definitely want to have copies of their medical and vaccine records for evacuations. Um, so if you do need to take them in somewhere, then you'll be able to bring their entire history with you. And then any current pictures or videos of them in case you do get separated from them or need to, um, place them in a kind of short-term housing situation. Like the Red Cross will go to natural disaster for, um, relief and they will bring a team of veterinarians technicians rescues that kind of stuff and they'll not only pick up the strays that they find or the lost pets that they find but they'll also kind of act as a doggy and kitty hotel oh that's really good to know yeah i will admit i'm not quite ready for a disaster sort of but not quite yeah and all five so let's just hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that it's something that most that parents much. think about too much is um, what to do in those kinds of situations. Um, I think more and more we need to. Yeah. Um, so Elise will probably remember that I used to always fill my milk jug that I had washed many years ago and filled with water and mm-hmm. I keep it car all the time because I have this paranoia of being out with the dogs and needing water. Yeah. So I always have a gallon of water with me. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we take a bottle of water with a bowl every time we leave the house with Winnie, especially yeah. in the summers here, but yes. just anytime because it's so dry, it's so easy to dehydrate even in the cooler temps. Yes. And Kentucky it's not as big a deal but that is my you know like I have leashes and Mm -hmm. water in the car yeah and that's a great starting point um and especially in places where um the weather can be a little bit more temperamental um especially here in Arizona you know it's it's dry but it can get very very hot and then in Kentucky it can get very very humid Um, And both of those instances, pets are at a very high risk for heat stroke. Um, Mm -hmm. So a good way to prevent that is to just keep them hydrated to help keep them cool. Yeah. And then I was going to ask you, just because we are a poodly poodle we are poodle people talk about poodles uh like a more poodle focused podcast and karen and i both have standards karen has five of them Mm -hmm. and i have one um (laughs) would you mind talking a little bit about uh gdv and bloat yeah absolutely so um bloat and gastric dilation volvulus gdv um are terms that are kind of used interchangeably Um, But bloat is kind of the precursor to GDV, um, which is potentially a life-threatening situation, especially once it gets to the GDV stage. Um, So bloat is a buildup of gas 
in the stomach and it progresses or can progress fairly quickly into um, GDV, which is essentially when the stomach is filled with gas, food or fluid, and then it twists on itself um, so that both the entrance and the exit for the stomach are both blocked off. So the dog can't vomit, can't burp, can't get rid of it going out the way it came in, and they can't defecate either. Um, so that's obviously a very painful experience for them. Um, exact causes are, are kind of unknown, but there are some correlations. Um, poodles are obviously um, more susceptible to it, along with other large, deep-chested dogs. So your greyhounds, Great Danes, Setters, Weimaraners, Basset Hounds, Doberman Pinchers, all of those kinds of dogs are more susceptible to it, especially after they exercise, after a large meal or a large water intake. Um, and then dogs that have kind of more of a high anxiety or fear setting as their baseline um, can also increase their risk of, of developing bloat and then GDV. Some illnesses can also um, cause it. The, so any illnesses that decrease intestinal motility. Um, and then some medications can too. The most common one that would be used in home would probably be diphenhydramine um, or your Benadryl. So um, watch that if you, if you do give your pet Benadryl and, and it's a, one of those large, deep, chested dogs just keep an eye on them um, <laughs> anesthesia uh, decreases intestinal motility so after they've had any kind of surgery you want to watch them closely and just kind of slowly start to feed them and give them water um, I know that that's a common discharge instruction after a pet's been anesthetized but um you just want to make sure that you're reintroducing food and water slowly so that their system kind of gets more accustomed to it. Um, and then other illnesses or disease processes that can um, kind of correlate with uh, GDV is liver disease, hypothyroidism, and some electrolyte imbalances. So, wow. That's yeah, a lot. <laughs> it is yeah. a lot. <laughs> and it sounds very scary. Um, and I mean, it can be pretty scary, but luckily there are ways to kind of prevent it that um, or mitigate it that I'll, I'll get into. Um, but I do want to go over some of the signs and symptoms first, just so that people can be yes. aware and, and watch that. Um, so probably the most... Um, obvious is going to be a swollen and distended belly behind their rib cage. So where that area that's usually nice and soft and squishy, that's going to be pretty round and pretty firm. Um, it's probably going to be pretty painful, painful if you go and try to palpate it at all. That's, they're not going to like that very much. Um, they're going to have an increased heart rate. Um, cold body temperature on their extremities, so their ears, their paws are going to be pretty cold. They're going to be producing a lot more saliva um, because their body's going to be telling them that they need to vomit, but they can't. Um, going along with that will be unproduct unproductive retching, so they're going to be trying to vomit, but they can't actually get anything out because that... Um, that that part is twisted off it's it's closed off um and then your pale mucous membranes are going to be coming into that too um and all of that um can make them pretty restless they're going to be pacing they'll probably be whining they're going to have some extra anxiety they might be more reactive to things um and then eventually if if you kind of bypass all of those other signs or just think that they're having an off day, eventually they're going to collapse and, and kind of head into some septic shock. And that's due to the compression of major blood vessels and arteries that are 
in that area um, that is there, it's cutting off their blood circulation. Um, so that's, that's a pretty dire situation. And once you get to that point, unless you're lucky enough to catch it where it's just bloat before the stomach flips, um, the only treatment for GDV is surgery. So where the vet will actually go in and manually flip that stomach to where it should be in its proper location in the body and proper orientation in there. Ouch. That sounds yeah. horrible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that would, that'd be a long kind of recovery for them because it's a, a, you know, stomach incision. So they're going to have to be on um, basically bed rest. They're not going to be allowed to be running around and playing and jumping and being a normal dog. So, um, and it's pretty invasive. <clears throat> so if you suspect bloat, mm-hmm. what do you do? I would call the vet immediately, um, regardless of if you have any question or not, especially if you have one of those breeds that is predisposed to it. Um, because if you catch it early enough, um, then you can kind of help them along with some supportive care. It might not necessarily turn into a GDV. But in the event that it does, you'll already either be on your way to the vet or in the vet's office, and they can react immediately to it. And the success of the surgery is really based on how quickly you can get them into the vet. Got it. So now I'll be paranoid. <laughs> Karen will be watching all five dogs yes. like a hawk at all times, just in case. <laughs> I do give the little girl a pass because I think she's too small to bloat but maybe I'm wrong but it doesn't seem like something that would really happen to puppies it, I'm that'd be a question for a vet um, yeah but yeah and male dogs are also more prone to having GDV um, so not to say ignore your girl dogs at all but um, yeah. maybe watch your boy dogs a, a little bit closer just just a little I didn't know that there was a correlation there. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As don't already obsess over Alfred's. <laughs> <laughs> his hair, his food. Now you're going to be looking at his stomach to make sure it's distended. Right. Um, I was going to say, I know there, are, there's not like a ton of preventatives, but there are, I mean, right. controlling like, uh, when they exercise and eat like mm-hmm. the breaks between the two and those yeah. kinds of things. I got Winnie a gastropexy um, yes. when I spayed her, which is where they basically like kind of tack the stomach to the abdominal wall so that yeah. her stomach physically can't fully rotate. Right. Um, I'm the paranoid kind of person that definitely did it. And I've seen where a lot of other people have started to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that's an, a good good step in the right direction as far as (laughs) preventatives go but yeah absolutely and to kind of go along with that the gastropexy is definitely kind of the gold standard in prevention um, just because you are going in there and making sure that the stomach can't physically flip around Um, and it's kind of a um, I think it might be somewhat stolen from equine medicine um, where (laughs) horses can have the same kind of a thing happen particularly after giving birth where their um, part of their stomach will flip over on itself and and um, one of the things to rectify that is a colopexy Um, so it's the same along the same lines but yeah that's kind of the gold standard for prevention is to go ahead and tack that stomach down Um, so that it can't physically rotate. Um, Other things that you can do to kind of help prevent that is what you said is feeding them, making sure that they take a little bit of a rest before going out and exerting themselves. Um, Other things you can do is make sure that you're feeding at least twice a day. Um, So splitting the normal amount of food that you would give them in a day into at least two different feedings. So morning and evening, if you're able to, you can split it up even more than that. 
um, just so that their stomach isn't getting so full to capacity. Um, and then fostering a relaxing and comfortable home environment, especially for those more anxious type dogs. Um, just making sure that they have a nice place where they can go if they need to get away from any kind of stressors, whether that be a quiet room that they can go to or a crate for them, um, something like that. And then also making sure that they have a calcium-rich meat meal within the first four ingredients of their dog food. Um, so something you want to look for is to make sure it's chicken meal, salmon, uh, beef, whatever your protein source is, making sure that that protein source, and especially if there's two or three um, different sources in the first four ingredients, that'll help not only their nutrition, but also making sure that um, the, they're, they're... Okay. I didn't know that about the protein content. That's or the calcium content. That's really interesting. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, oh, Karen, I think we lost her. Oh no, she's fabulous. Okay, but now I am so scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, do we call her back? I mean, I t- I just texted. <laughs> she's really she's good. Like- She's she and I go. We would hang out all the time, like all the time. She's great. I love Brittany, and we've seen her a couple times since we've moved out here. She's either been in the valley, and we've seen her, or like we went up and oh, there she is. I'm here. Sorry, Brittany. There you are. And and it got all weird. (laughs) Oh no! I know. I should have put it on. Do not disturb. But doing that now, it's okay. all (laughs) it's all good. We were like, wait, where'd she go? (laughs) I'm here. It's okay we can we can cut the the weird part out it's all good um I'm trying to remember what you said about um yeah I thought I just I think that's really interesting about the calcium content I've never thought of I know calcium and phosphorus are really important Mm -hmm. uh when they're little and you're growing especially for dogs our size to make sure that like the ratio is enough but not too much and it's in the right percentage range but I've never thought about it beyond that so that's very interesting yeah yeah um, do you know, this may be getting too technical, but like, is there a percent on the bag that you look for, for that kind of thing? Or are you just looking for like a little bit higher than normal or? Um, I'm not sure about a percentage, um, but just making sure that it's in the first four ingredients, that meat meal or a meat product. Okay. Um, and I could get really super technical in it but you want to make sure that you are getting something that is a either meat just like chicken thighs or salmon um or a meat meal so chicken meal salmon meal beef meal something like that and kind of want to stay away from more of the um, chicken byproducts And all of that is governed by a separate um, AFCO, which is the food governing body for for dogs. Um, But each one of those has a specific percentage that it has to meet of what that that product is. So I can't remember right off the top of my head, but just straight up beef is going to have more a higher percentage than your beef meal which will have a higher percentage than your beef byproduct so you want to try and stay with just your straight up beef or whatever meat it is um or even the meat meal because those are going to be your higher percentages of what that product actually is in the food Gotcha. And to be clear, like as far as protein goes, we're talking about animal proteins and not yes. pea proteins, correct? Correct. Animal okay. proteins. Yes. Gotcha. Um, I just wanted to ask because I know that's a hot, hot topic in the yes. veterinary world with the pea protein. And yes. I know it is protein, but this is like obviously calcium comes from like right. the, the from animal the thing. Animal. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> getting Absolutely. Too morbid. <laughs> yes. Um, and then also to I don't know if you've talked about this on any of your other um, podcasts yet, but you definitely want grains 
included in your dog's food um, unless your dog has a specific grain allergy, which is something that you want to talk to your vet about. But um, this is kind of getting away from poodle specific and getting yeah. more dog general, but um, dilated car- cardiomyopathy. So heart disease has been linked to food that does not have grains in it. So you you definitely want to have grains included in your dog's diet unless they have a specific grain allergy um, or you've consulted with your veterinarian or a licensed nutritionist about what you're feeding your animal um, because essentially that dilated cardiomyopathy will be shortening your dog's life. Yeah, which nobody wants. We want them right. to live forever, of yep. course. Yes, yeah. Oh, man. Well, we may have to have you back on at some point to talk about the nutrition bit because yeah, I, would love I know that. you're into that. And yeah. Karen and I are both very hyper aware of what is <laughs> about dog food all the time. Yeah. yeah, that's like, I think that grooming and like my dog did this weird thing today. What do you think I should do about it? Are like the right. top three topics between Karen and I <laughs> and all of our text cards and all of our phone calls. <laughs> I love it. Now, and this podcast, we talk right. about what to plan for this podcast all the time. But yes, yes. those are, that's it. <laughs> those four things. I um, love it. Well, that's, that's really interesting. And I <laughs> honestly, I learned something um, tonight about the the gdv and the bloat with the calcium content i'll have to make sure that winnie's food is into that because i'm just one of those paranoid people and i will say like my my basis behind getting the gastropexy ahead of time is i figured the preventative operation would be way cheaper than the reactive operation oh absolutely um because i mean it's you're already you're starting with a healthy dog it, right you know, go down from there like yeah. you know what I mean yeah um versus just trying to get them back up to 100 percent right um, yeah but in case anyone's considering it I did it I thought it was worth it um, yes yeah especially if you have a female dog and you're looking into it I mean it's it's the same incision um, right they just go up towards the um uh, up towards like the rib cage the area where everything <laughs> yeah versus you know down below where they would take the uterus and ovaries so right you've got a female you're considering it same yeah. surgery with the males it's a little more involved yes and on top of experience. that yeah <laughs> and on top of that too if your dog does suffer from a gdv then not only are you going to be going in there um you're gonna be stressed out um you're gonna have the cost of the emergency you're gonna have the cost of the surgery but every single dog who comes in with a GDV is also going to be treated uh, right off the bat for sepsis. So you're essentially going to be paying for two different um, disease processes um, because sepsis is so common with a GDV. <clears throat> okay, I hope I can sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Not sorry, Karen. <laughs> um. I'm sure you you will be fine. I'm I'm not worried about your dogs <laughs> any more than you are. So I think I think it's okay. Yeah, um, I've been worried about bloat. I just try to ignore bloat. I know it can happen. Mm-hmm. And I do know the signs, and I've actually always let my dogs eat whatever they wanted until very recently. Mm-hmm. Um. And I prefer to do that just because it, I always felt like I was limiting my risk of um, bloat by letting them eat when they were hungry all the time. Um, Unfortunately, I now have one thin male and one (laughs) female. Um, She was sneaking some extra meals in, huh? (laughs) Um, I don't think she was sneaking. I think she was doing it right in front of you and didn't care. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) We love Grace. Grace is just the best character. She's my favorite, I think, of all of your dogs. (laughs) She almost has a waistline again. but I mean, she's still fat, but she's no longer a porker. She's on a diet plan. She's been on a diet for a year. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's... 
I, oh, I, we talk about Grace a lot. I love her, but I remember when I was looking into poodles, Karen, and I came and met you, and like we were kind of like talking about it. You told me like, oh, poodles don't get fat. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> and now oh no! Stop. <laughs> and you, she, Brittany, she sent me a picture of her not long ago, and I was like, that's Grace. Oh, <laughs> but this was this was this was, was a while back. Ago. But she's but, she definitely yeah. has slimmed slimmed down since. Well, um, that's good. But. It made me laugh because I was like, "I didn't we have this conversation like three years ago? And it wasn't and a thing. But so yeah, funny. we're working on it. They <laughs> probably heard that. And it's like, hmm, I'll show you. <laughs> that sounds about, I was like, oh, challenge accepted. Sign me up. Um, she also got fixed and I didn't really realize that, you know, some people have the genes for mm-hmm. menopause and some people don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. He just kept eating. <laughs> Me too, Grace. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for giving us your time. We yeah. really appreciate you coming yeah. on. And you've had a lot of really, really interesting information. Yeah. Um, and we will look at putting together maybe like a nutrition episode sometime in the future so yeah, if you're listening that. and that sounds like it's up your alley just you wait it's <laughs> yeah. coming at some point it's coming. Um, before we before we sign off Brittany can yeah. you tell our listeners how to contact you if they have questions or if they live in the area and want to hire you for your services yeah absolutely probably the easiest way to go about it would be to go to my website which is J B as in boy McGill M as in Mary A G I L L Vet Tech so V E T T E C H dot com so J B McGill Vet Tech dot com and then all of my other contact information is on there and I also have a contact um form that you can submit online fantastic awesome well thank you Brittany. absolutely really appreciate it yes glad i could come on thanks for having me you're welcome we'll talk to you again soon Bye. bye bye thanks for listening and remember a poodle will change your life Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Poodle People. Please remember to like us on your favorite platform or even better, leave a review. We really appreciate it and it helps us get new listeners. And if you have any questions you want me or Elise to answer, send us an email at poodlepeoplepodcast at gmail.com.